0: Hello, I'm Willie George. I want to welcome you to this edition of Faith Roots. Let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him so you will grow in faith. You know, the message of faith in God's Word changed my life. It is something I can never leave. I cannot set it aside. I know what it meant to me. I know how it pulled me out of a pit. And I was in a pit that, uh, you know, some people have a reasonably stable life even when they don't know Christ. I didn't. I was absolutely desperate. And I thank God for that because I knew that I had a need. You know, it's those people who have things that are going fairly well, who have relatively stable circumstances, good home life, so forth. Those are the people sometimes who had a great disadvantage because they don't realize what they need, and they think that that they're okay. And I knew I wasn't okay, and I knew I had to learn how to follow God. So that's what this podcast is about. And if you're kind of like me, then uh, we're in good company because God wants to do something great with us. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, verse 15, But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual discerns all things. And this is King James English, I understand that. But we're going to explain this in such a way that you walk away with a great understanding of how this process works. Revelation knowledge gives us a peace that surpasses our understanding. Now, the best way for me to explain that is to compare this to an airplane. An airplane takes off and it does not cancel out nor do away with the law of gravity. The law of gravity is still there. That's why when you're on the airplane and you drop your cup, it falls into the floor. Well, uh, the airplane supersedes or surpasses the law of gravity, and it's, it's based on two other laws, the law of propulsion. Now let me explain how that works. Do you know that if you're driving down the interstate at, say, 90 miles an hour, the weight of your car on the road is not as great as it is when it's standing still, and it's because of the law of propulsion. Uh, You're being propelled so fast most of the mass is being pushed to the front, And so you've got the law of propulsion and the law of lifts. Now that we're being propelled forward, and we have created a vacuum beneath the wings, and that's what they found out about the wings, that the wings needed to be flat on the bottom, and they needed to be curved on the top so that there was more surface area for the wind to blow over on the top and less on the bottom. And that's what picks up the plane and makes it fly. So it surpasses the law of gravity. It doesn't do away with it. It surpasses it. And the Bible says that, that it teaches us that, that God's Word and His faith and revelation knowledge surpass our understanding. We have a peace that surpasses understanding. It doesn't do away with our troubles, and uh, it, it surpasses the trouble. Uh, You know, know, we might think that a, a good picture of peace is a very tranquil sitting, where everything is just in perfect harmony, there are no challenges, no evils. Uh, but I saw a picture one time of a little bird's nest uh, just above a raging stream in a torrent of water. And this tree limb came out of the bank, and right just above the water flow was this nest of birds. And and to me, that's a great picture of peace because there's raging torrent underneath, but yet at the same time there is absolutely no threat to this bird in its nest because it. Has this peace. That's a great picture of God's peace. We don't do away or cancel out all of the trouble in the world, but we have peace in spite of it all because we are receiving on a higher, higher plane. Now, we talked about how Simon Peter was going to be put to death on a particular morning and the very night before. He is sound asleep, so much so that when an angel comes to awaken him, he has to strike Peter, and Peter is so in deep sleep that he doesn't even realize he's awake till he gets totally out of the jail. How does a guy sleep like that, knowing that he's going to be killed the next day? Well, I think the answer is Peter didn't think he was going to be killed the next day. And it had nothing to do with his circumstances. It had to do with something Jesus had told him earlier, that he would live to be an old man. And he wasn't then an old man. Now, I want to bring you to an idea. And we say this all the time. It's a very common expression. And it's not true. But here it is, seeing is believing. And a lot of people have that philosophy. I won't believe it till I see it with my own eyes. Seeing is not believing. Now, this isn't to say that you should live your life with no demands for proof because our faith is rational. It's very provable. Uh, Jesus said about this faith, that God is looking for people to worship Him in spirit and in truth. That means that the things we believe are true, but we receive them in spirit before we see all of the facts. We know that they're true by something that is on the inside of us. And uh, this popular statement is, is set aside when you look at this story that happens after the resurrection and this is when Jesus appeared to his disciples on the night of the resurrection. And uh, he, uh, let's just go to Luke 24 and verse 36 and read it. And as they thus spake, they were talking about there were rumors that Christ had been seen, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted, and suppose that they had seen a spirit. Now, they're seeing the resurrected Christ, but with their belief system, it's easier for them to accept the fact that this is a ghost than it is to believe that it's the resurrected Christ. And they were terrified and affrighted. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And that's a question that that deserves an answer. Why are they troubled? He said, why do thoughts arise in your hearts? And he's meaning negative thoughts. You have doubtful thoughts that have gotten into your heart. Why? Why? He said, behold my hands and my feet, that it is I, myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit has not flesh and bones as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and feet. So he wanted to show them in truth that he was indeed physically raised from the dead. It was not something that they created with their beliefs. And that's so important. Because so many people have this idea that we can make a thing true just because we believe it. And the Bible talks about those people who believe a lie. Well, if people believe a lie and you can make things true just by believing them, then it's impossible to believe a lie because that lie turns into truth. But there is a truth, and it is an established truth. That we are called to, and it is what God has said in His Word, and it's true whether we have seen the physical evidence of it or not. Now, here they're being confronted with the physical evidence, and in truth, Christ is raised from the dead, and He showed them His hands and feet. And then I want you to pay attention to the next verse, verse 41 while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said to them, have you here any meat? You got anything to eat? He wants to show them that he is material, that he's physical, that is real. And so what does he do? He takes this uh, piece of fish and he eats it. And it doesn't just Drop to the floor inside this mystical spirit body, it actually disappears. He shows them that he's capable of eating, and so he is a resurrected body. So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and honeycomb. He took it, did eat it before him. But then he has to convince them; they're still not fully convinced. So what does he do to convince them? Well, let's go to verse forty-four, Luke twenty-six or twenty-four, verse forty-four. He said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, not just the pleasant things, not just the great things, not just the coronation of Messiah and His rule and reign on planet earth. These are the things, all the things that must be fulfilled, the suffering of the Messiah which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. And so there were things written that were negative, things that Jesus had to go through that they did not understand. Then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus is it, it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer. Because it was written, I had to suffer. And I had to rise from the dead the third day. So repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name, the Messiah's name, in all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Now this is amazing. And here's what it teaches. It teaches that the apostles had physical proof and they didn't believe because you do not believe with your mind and you do not believe just because you see. Yes, it's, it's, it's good to know that our faith is founded on a physical reality, but you know what? Far more people have believed in God without a physical manifestation of the resurrection before their eyes. Now, we have a manifestation of the resurrection. The manifestation of the resurrection is that the Christ Spirit comes to dwell in us. When I believed on Jesus Christ, accepted Him as my Lord and Savior, don't tell me there wasn't any tangible proof. There was tangible proof, all right. It was in me. The tangible proof came into me. There was a change in me. I knew Christ was raised from the dead. You couldn't beat it out of me with a ball bat. I knew he was raised from the dead. I had right then and there a convincing that was so deep and so strong. I believed that had I been challenged with uh, dying for my faith, I think I could have done it even as a baby Christian because I knew that I had experienced something different. And by the way, it was not emotional. I got saved in a youth revival, and there were almost a thousand teenagers saved in that youth revival, and uh, about a hundred came forward to Christ the night that I accepted him. And most of them were crying and were moved emotionally. I was not. I had no emotions. I wanted to have emotions. I couldn't feel anything. You know what I think God was doing, first of all? He was dealing with me according to my makeup, which is how God deals with all of us. Lester Summerall, uh, the great, amazing missionary evangelist, Dr. Lester Summerall, said this. He said, I believe that God deals with every man differently, and I do too. I, I don't think he deals with all of us exactly the same way. Now, that doesn't mean that God is inconsistent. doesn't mean that God is, uh, is, changes his work. It just means he knows your personality. And what I needed was a faith that was much deeper than emotion, I needed a faith that was settled down deep on the inside, and and that's one of the things in 50 years of following Christ that I'm known for, is I'm known for being a very stable and even-keeled person, and I have that effect on the people around me. I mean, all hell can be swirling around, but I have an ability to calm people down and to stabilize them because I land on my feet. And it is based out of my own relationship with God. God wanted me to be the kind of person who could teach people how to have peace and how to know Him in the face of overwhelming circumstances and overwhelming contradictory emotions. That is my ministry. And so that is what we see Jesus doing. Why did he do this? He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Why? Because faith is of the heart. It's of the spirit. Faith is not of the mind. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't make sense because our faith is very rational. And one of these days I'll do a teaching on the rational leadings of God because I don't think God leads us to do anything stupid. Um, Gideon went after the Midianites with uh, 300 men, and they were an army of 135,000. I don't think it was stupid. I think it was a very rational move, and I'll explain that sometime. But Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 tell us this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you, you say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, You shall be saved. Now here's the first part of verse 10. For with the heart man believes. You do not believe with your head. There is a believing in the heart that's much deeper than anything that comes into your head. The reason catches up to this. Reason follows this. You will believe first, but then reason begins to catch up. And if you are one of those people that is like, no, I'm going to reason first, then you, you, you'll eventually get there because our faith is very rational, but you're going to have a rocky road because it's going to take you a while to realize that your own reason is not a great arbiter of what truth is. Now, you can't believe until you've heard the word. Now, this is a fascinating thing. We, we said this earlier, that uh, seeing is not believing. i want to read you another passage here about the resurrection. This is Matthew 28. This is about a couple of weeks after the first story we just read in Luke 24. And this is in Luke's, or I'm sorry, Matthew's gospel. It's in Galilee. This is not in an upper room. This is removed from Jerusalem. You remember Jesus was on the earth. He appeared back and forth for for 40 days. Well, this is during that 40 day period. And it says in Matthew 28, 16 and 17 Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. "...to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them." And I believe it was the mountain where he'd first called them to be disciples, but Scripture doesn't say that. "...when they saw him, they worshipped. But but look at the next three words. "...but some doubted." Now that's amazing to me. Here he is again, the resurrected Christ, and there are a good number of people. This very well could have been the time when 500 people saw him at once. Uh, It's spoken of like that in uh, 1 Corinthians 15. But regardless, there were a group of people in the group who didn't believe. They doubted. They weren't sure that it really was the Christ. Why is it? Because they are again looking at physical evidence. They've not yet been convinced in the heart by the Word. Christ taught, and and this is so important, that faith is attainable. Before corresponding physical evidence, he told the Apostle Thomas, who said, I won't believe till I can see him and touch him and feel him. I've got to see him with my own eyes. And Thomas uh, w- w- was, was wrong in, in making this statement. And Jesus did appear to Thomas and he said, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed, meaning that it's possible to believe without seeing. And it's because we believe with the heart. The spiritual man learns how to believe with the heart before he sees with his eyes. And consequently, he can have a peace that surpasses all understanding because of something that he knows in his heart that has not yet materialized before his eyes. And that is the essence of a spiritual man. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode, and we will come back in the next episode and expand this idea that we are spiritual people who believe before we see. Thank you.